Welcome ladies and gents to another exciting episode of the Wrestling Connection podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. We are very, very grateful for that and we are here for another lovely, lovely day of wrestling chat. Ways that wrestling connects us on this beautiful wrestling podcast. Hello again everyone, my name is Chris, this is Glenn and uh, we are making history folks. This is the first time we are recording an episode and it's not dusk uh, or it is not um, it is not the middle of the night. We are now first thing in the morning. This is 6 a.m. We're recording this. Uh, it's a total <laughs> culture shock. And uh, I've just had my breakfast. Glenn, how are you? Uh, yeah, very good. Uh, getting the sleep out of my eyes for sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm... <laughs> I tell you what, man. Like, I... Uh, how many weeks have we been in lockdown now? Well, we started this a couple of weeks in, so I reckon about 11 or 12. Right, so I'm really used to my way of life now. Yeah, me And too. next week, I... I'm going to be walking into a school for the first time. Uh, oh, you're going in? Lockdown. Going in. I'm going in for one day next week as part of uh, what many schools in Scotland are doing to kind of get things ready for August when the kids come back. Uh, right. And it'll be amazing. And I'm sure like all the safety precautions, in fact, I know for a fact there'll be there's all kinds of safety measures in there for distancing and stuff. But the as much as I can't wait for life to be normal again, there's a slight anxiety about it because it's taken me this long to get settled into this lifestyle. And so yeah. the thought of then going back to it, of course, it's going to come with like all these amazing things over time, like seeing family and friends again. But geez, oh, it's a bit nerve wracking. I don't know how you feel about this. Well, I'll, I'll not be going back to work or anything for another good month or a month and a half, really. Um, so I'm still right in that sort of mindset of just trying to bide my time. Um, but yeah. I've, been, I've been very lucky this week that I've had some work to do from home. Um, I've been doing some video editing for the university that I work for. So it's been really, really cool getting oh, to fantastic. do some of that stuff. Um, but because of that, having worked from home, as you well, you know, you're well aware of, that requires lots of wrestling on in the background just to kind of help you. Yeah. You know, because um, you said this before, you can sit and you can really take it all in and appreciate everything. But sometimes, you know, wrestling's the perfect thing just to have on, you know? Absolutely. Um, so I've been doing that this week a lot with, with my watching. And let me tell you this. I have gone absolutely mental this week with the wrestling I've watched. I have it's been it's been there's been nothing else on my TV other than one movie. I watched Django Unchained the other night, great film. That's right, yeah. Um, and other than that, there's been like I've been into like my series recently and watching Netflix stuff. There's been nothing on the telly apart from wrestling all week. Um, and because I've been kind of catching you guys up with like what I've been watching in terms of 2007 and that sort of thing. Put it this way, I'm halfway through 2008. <laughs> Jesus, wow. I mean, it's amazing how quickly you get through it. Yeah. And I'm the same. I started my current like uh, marathon a, a good maybe year and a half, two years ago. I started from the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania 2000. And it took me a long time to even get to 2001. And since lockdown, like I've, I've, I have I've pretty much... I think when lockdown started, Triple H just won the Rumble. Uh, 
Right. And now I'm now I'm at you know the build up to Unforgiven. So I've watched a lot of yeah. wrestling as well. It's like you say, it's great background stuff. It, it's the kind of thing that you can either pay lots of attention to and be totally absorbed by it, or it can just be there in the background. You don't need to really get too absorbed in it. It's, it's but you can also kind of follow it as you go along, especially yeah. if it's stuff from those those kind of eras. Like for me, it's 2002, and you're watching 0809. Um, that's stuff that we already know, so we can, we know where the stories are going. So yeah. we can afford to kind of tune in and out and have it as a background thing at the same time well i should make clear as well i'm not watching the tv shows like you like i'm not watching the Ross and smackdowns i'm just watching the pay-per-views um and yeah. uh, it's just been a joy it's it's, it's really nice to kind of because i know as you say i know this era a lot but i've not sat down and done this in so long we are watching one after the other you know yeah. and it's a, it's a great way to kind of give you a sort of refresher in terms of your memory and that sort of thing and just to see the development of certain stories like i mean today it's great in in WWE and AEW and that sort of thing with storylines but um 2008 i think it's a really really underrated year for long term stories being told seeds being planted in fact all throughout the mid 2000s are great as well i think back yeah. to 2005 was like Triple H and Batista and that whole long story that was excellent. It just went on for months and months and months, mm. but it wasn't like you didn't feel bold about it because it was done really, really good, you know? Um, yeah. 2008 has been the exact same. It's been so cool to see this and like the 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 build-up of Jeff Hardy to becoming this massive star and then yeah. um, having the Age of Orton being conquered by Triple H and Triple H really coming into his own. I don't know when you would say Triple H's prime was, but I think you've got two arguments. It's got to be, you know, 2002, 2003, or it's around this time where he's a great baby face. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he was a top guy in the company when Cena was injured, but Cena's back now, obviously, because he comes back at the Rumble await. But it's just everybody's doing well. And then, of course, Edge and Taker uh, going back and forth all year. Uh, I've just watched One Night Stand 2008 yesterday when they have that great TLC match. Um, oh, man. I love that match. It's just ruined for me by Taker moving the ladder to set up the final bump. Uh, you know that that yeah. that bothers me, but I, the way I kind of suspend my disbelief is that maybe he's groggy and he doesn't is dis, he's disorientated, so he doesn't know what he's doing. So it doesn't ruin the match. But the fact that Undertaker at that point was well into his forties, like he was late forties, yeah. and he's taking a bump like that. And I don't care what you say. I, I do remember Matt Hardy saying in his autobiography that he did with Jeff, Exist Inspire, that they kind of they do kind of cushion your blow a little bit. But it's still a freaking wooden table falling from a height and a man that size that that match is sorry if this is your recommendation by the way but um no, it's not, uh, it's not. That, that's i just thought i might i thought oh god am i stepping on your toes but like that, <laughs> that you know those edge and taker man they had great chemistry great chemistry i mean see that the the table bumps that matt and jeff talk about you know and those tlc matches where like the the, the four tables cushion the blow they take those bumps like so expertly, like they, they go through it and like they place all different parts of their body on different parts of the table so it's nice and easy. It's done yeah. really safely, right? This taker one, as you say, he moves the ladder closer to the ropes and I think they must have like marked it on the floor to where the table should be set up for what, like to, for it to be like a perfect bump when the ladder was in the middle of the ring. It's a really big yeah. ladder. So he pushes him over and because the ladder's kind of further over at the ropes, taker kind of overextends, you know, a little bit. And yeah. um, he hits kind of like the left side of the four tables, and it's really like a like a bump to the floor where the tables just kind of get in the way. It's brutal. But earlier yeah. in that show, Triple H and Randy Orton have a last man standing match, and Orton goes for the RKO, and Triple H throws him over the top rope to reverse it, and Orton breaks oh God, his collarbone. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so brutal. horrible. 
Yeah. Oh, you know the way I, you see this in the, the "Don't Try This at Home" advert and that sort of thing. But like when you first see it on the pay per view and the different camera angles, just the way like it just comes crashing down and his yeah. shoulder goes like right into the ground and he kind of slides because he's all sweaty. It's brutal. Yeah. It's horrible, and the match really loses its momentum after that, as I recall. That's it. And, yeah. But credit to those guys, like they managed to just get a quick finish out of it. Like they, you know, you, it's hard to imagine that if it was like a mid card TV match and that happened now, they would just stop the match. Simple as. But I yep. think it's it, it reflects their professionalism and and they, how seriously they take it, and the fact that they are huge stars that they didn't they wanted to make the best of the bad situation. They didn't want to send people home unsatisfied so they still went ahead and did a finish obviously it wasn't ideal but it, that that is one of those injuries like all injuries are unfortunate all injuries are a shame but i think those guys had a good bit of momentum in that match it was it was you know not what the wrestlemania match was in the best possible way yeah um, because i think that's their only kind of dud is the wrestlemania match and it's not a bad it's match a it just didn't really it's it, you know the positioning of it it didn't make sense in the storyline for them to have this I know what they were trying to do with the whole don't get disqualified Triple H, but that's not what people were paying to see at that point. People wanted to see Triple H destroy it. People wanted a street fight. And I think if you're yeah. going to put these guys after Michaels and Taker having the greatest match of all time, no disrespect to Edge and Randy Orton, um, then you you really need to give the, um, them every every toy in the ba- in the basket. You know, you need to give them every tool that they can to put on a spectacle for the people. It's, I think it's one of the most daftly booked main events in the history of WrestleMania. Well, that's the problem of being a, like a singles match where like Triple H can't use any weapons or anything for it to be the main event of WrestleMania. Like that's fine for yeah. backlash or something, you know, but not mm-hmm. for the main event of WrestleMania, especially not after Taker and Shawn. Um, which is actually the second greatest match of all time. Edge and Orton is the greatest wrestling match of all time. I don't know yeah. if you've heard. Um, I don't. And correct me if I'm wrong. Will backlash have happened by the time that this goes out? Uh, this will be the day of backlash. Right. So that's right because backlash is June fourteenth. So yeah. folks, um, watching backlash tonight. I hope Chris is right. It'll be the great. You know, just notice that they're using the greatest showman for the promo for that. Yes, but they're not just using the greatest showman. They're using the Panic at the Disco cover of the greatest showman. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> But what I, I don't mind the idea of it that they're trying to make as pay per view of all these great wrestling matches, you know. Um, but I, I just don't understand why would you even put the pressure on not only Edge and Orton but the rest of the card? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh man, I don't know. But, but also, if I wanted to book that match with that label, I mean, I don't. When I think of Edge and Orton, that angle, yeah. I want the last man standing match. I don't want a classic wrestling match from them. I don't think it makes sense. And I wouldn't book Edge, who's, you know, recovering from a life-threatening injury, not just a career-threatening, but a life-threatening injury. And Randy Orton, who's, you know, excellent, but has made a name of being excellent because of his methodical and slow pace. Randy Orton doesn't do five-star technical wrestling classes. I'm sure he probably could. But... yeah. You know, ever since he became like the Viper slash Legend Killer, Randy Orton's got that Jake Roberts kind of slow and methodical. That's what he does. That's what he does best. When I think of the greatest wrestling match of all time, I would be booking a Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle or something like that. Michaels and Taker. Not this is just bizarre. I can just think this is all this is doing is tickling Vince McMahon, and that's why they're using this marketing. What are they going to do? Like wrist locks and stuff, you know? Um, and I just I don't know. 
it's so backwards the story as well. Like usually, what what you know, someone comes back and they have this wrestling match, and then it doesn't go very well. So Randy Orton then makes it personal and attacks his family, and then they blow off with this last man standing match. But instead, they've done the angle first, then the last man standing match, then the technical wrestling match. I, I don't know. It's it's really weird. But anyway, it's um, it's weird. Can I just mention, and I don't know uh, what you were moving on to there, but I was just going to chuck something in that I've been watching this week. Yeah, yeah, so I was going to ask you, yeah, what have you been checking out? Oh, I- I'll learn not to jump the gun. Excuse uh, <laughs> me, too keen to hear the sound of my own voice. That's all right, no. uh, Right, so you've been going wrestling daft this week, and I'm kind of the same. And uh, see, I've I've started to get really into AEW. Ever since AEW's inception, I have been a casual viewer, and I haven't really watched it consistently or i've not really been a committed fan but lockdown being lockdown i feel like it's mad that i'm not taking advantage of the fact that i can watch the tv show for free every week which i can't do for monday night raw or smackdown i can't watch yeah. that every week for free um as it's being broadcast so because i don't have bt sports I don't have any like digital packages or anything like that uh so uh, the one thing I do pay for is the £4 a month to get ITV Hub ad-free because I, I can't stand the amount of ads that you have to get on that to watch it. So I pay that every month. Uh, and I, I now my kind of weekend ritual is that on a Saturday morning, I usually get up first and sort out the dog. And then I, I just sit back and I watch Dynamite on ITV Hub. And it's just a case of trying to avoid spoilers. So I've been loving yeah. that. I, I love the aesthetic of the show. Um, and uh, it's not perfect, but tell me which wrestling promotion is and you know that judgment of what makes it perfect that's just subjective I, what i mean to say is it's not perfect to my tastes but it's not the glenn show yeah. as much as it should be um and then um <laughs> but then you know it's funny as well because when we first started this podcast we spoke about wrestling stories and i went on about how much the main thing for me about wrestling is the storytelling but that doesn't mean that i don't love technical wrestling and if you're going into uh a TV show with a bunch of stars that you're not familiar with or you don't know the characters of the stories. The thing that hooks you initially is, I think, the the quality of the wrestling. And it's for that reason I've also started watching every week 205 Live. And oh, right, that nice. show has really that has really bounced back, that show, ever since it's become a more of an offshoot of NXT because the Cruiserweight title is now an NXT title. That show has really, really bounced back because I feel like 205, you know, came out of the Cruiserweight Classic, which was amazing. Uh, and it, then it just started to flop a bit because then you had these weird things. And as much as I love Drew Gulak doing PowerPoints, I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> um, I think a lot of it, you know, when Enzo was the champion, like I saw what they were trying to do, but it, trying to mi- mingle what the Cruiserweights was uh, and conceived to be in, uh, with the Cruiserweight Classic didn't really mesh well with the main roster. And for me, the only great moment that came out of it was was Noam Dar's debut in Glasgow. Absolutely. So, I'm so glad that it is just more of a, a straightforward offshoot of NXT. It's basically an NXT show um, uh, with more wrestling being showcased. And it's only half an hour long every week as well. That's the other good thing about it. But I would be remiss, Chris, if I didn't mention the highlight of my wrestling viewing this week. And I'll just say this. Did I hear myself say three minutes? Yeah, I mean... We've actually been going for 14 minutes, but uh, this yeah. this whole storyline... <laughs> imagine that was the gimmick. Should we 14 set the context? minutes and an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you they just really uh, so folks um i I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that like 
I, I, I don't, I don't actually, you'll know better than me. I don't know um, how many people uh, listen to the show. I don't know if it's five or six people, but um, what I don't, the other thing I don't know is like the ages of the people. And I wonder if there's anyone listening to this who is a bit younger, uh, you know, the, what the year I'm watching right now, 2002, uh, I've just come across one of the most highly regarded and fondly remembered non-wrestling segments of that era um in 2002 when the brand split started um each brand had a general manager and they were at war and at this point in the storyline lesnar is now exclusively in smackdown and so raw now has its own world champion in the form of triple h uh, so the two shows are really head-to-head and i love how competitive they're making it feel on tv i'd forgotten just how well they did this at the time and it, it shows you they did such a better job than they they did in 2016 when they tried and that's not to say they did a bad job in 16 but i think they nailed it in 2002 in the early days of the brand extension um, yeah. and there's a, a tag team called billy and chuck who for the time it was um some would call it progressive some people would call it edgy or controversial um but the it was never explicitly said but the, they, they were kind of a homoerotic kind of team and it's not something that you saw in wrestling at that time um the world was not as inclusive or as tolerant and the, the you know there was nowhere near the amount of acceptance of same-sex couples at that time so to have a tag team in 2002 uh, of two guys who were effeminate and you know danced in, a, in an effeminate way and dressed in a stereotypically effeminate way and I'm, I'm not wanting to open up a conversation about gender roles here it's just that's what the presentation was at the time and that's how it landed at the time it was yeah. it, it, it did stand out um on top of that billy and chuck are great wrestlers and uh, yeah. they were a great tag team so their storyline was going to uh climax at this um they never explicitly called it a marriage they they called it like a a commitment to be your tag team partner for life but they would also call it the first ever same sex commitment ceremony or the same sex marriage oh, really um and so they have this wedding ceremony officiated by this old decrepit man who's like really really frail and he talks like that and uh, stephanie mcmahon the gm of smackdown's there and uh, rico is doing uh some of the uh comparing as well at the whole thing rico was their manager rico, at the time. he was a great performer i loved rico man he he is uh he's a he's got such an interesting life story i don't know what he's up to now but he was a cop for many years i don't know if he went back to the police after wrestling actually um, mm. but he he was great and this is this is the segment where Rico turns on Billy and Chuck and goes to Raw um, so the wedding ceremony goes on and on and on and the old man uh, says that you know the commitment is important whether it lasts for you know 15 years 16 months or even 3 minutes and he's saying it out like this and then his voice drastically changes and man watching it back yesterday was a goosebumps moment he then goes, wait a minute, did I just hear myself say three minutes? And the one thing I'd never appreciated about this segment before is that if you look beyond the foreground and you can just see the blurry outlines of the faces in the crowd, you can see them mouths aghast open. Um, because I think the initial thoughts that the audience members had was that when the old man said three minutes, that maybe Eric Bischoff would run in with Rosie and Jamal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, three minute warning. But then when it became clear that he was Eric Bischoff, when he started ripping this amazing makeup, I mean, I was like, um, I've heard Bischoff and I think Pritchard talk about it with Conrad on their podcast. Like that was a Hollywood 
makeup artist who did like Mrs. Doubtfire. That was the same makeup yeah. artist who did that all that kit, um, and uh, ripped it off. Revealed that it was in fact Eric Bischoff in disguise, and they totally crashed the wedding. And uh, Rico turns his back on SmackDown and on his former associates, um, and it's just such a great twist that that's why it's remembered so fondly i met billy gunn a few years ago and uh when it came to questions and answers um i'm glad that i was going to ask about that segment but somebody bent me to it uh and rightfully so because it was great to hear his take on it but what i didn't know for many years was that bischoff it took so many hours to get that makeup on that he just he just wandered wandered around in the prosthetics yeah. throughout the day and just talking to people as a seedy old man uh, so folks if i know i'm not recommending anything this week but go and watch that segment because it's uh, from smackdown in september 2002 it's the season premiere smackdown and it's just an, an electric segment to see for so many reasons Totally. I mean, you talk about underrated tag teams. You've got two of them there, Billy and Chuck mm. and the three-minute warning. The three-minute warning were these two massive guys um, called Rosie and Jamal. Rosie went on to be the Hurricanes tag team partner. He was a superhero in training. And right. uh, What does that sound for again? S-H-I-T. And yeah. uh, and then and then Jamal ended up being Umaga, who went on to do really good, really good things, especially in 2008, which I've been watching. It's really cool to see Umaga. Yeah. He's just had that great Falls Count Anywhere match with Jeff Hardy where uh, Jeff slides down the barric- like the banister of the stairs and yeah. like frog splashes him. Good stuff. Um, and then every time someone would say the, the letters or the words three minutes, these two massive guys would come out and just like destroy whoever was in the ring. It was a really cool segment, a really cool like idea for their character. But it didn't last mm. very long, ironically. It, it just... Um, I don't know. They could have done so much more with that tag team. And for two massive guys that could move really well, my, my highlight of them all in this segment is uh, the guess. Survivor Series 02. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah, that, 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 <laughs> that was it. That was it. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's a great match. Just a brilliant match. And they are, again, so agile in that match and the bumps they take in it. Rose and Jamal were something special. And then, you know, Umaga, as you see, had some great matches, some great matches with Cena, great matches with Jeff Hardy. Um, you know, he was Triple H. he was something else, and it's is a it's, of course, yeah. I've, we were talking about No Mercy uh, last week or the week yeah, before, yeah. so um, yeah. Like I am, um, I, I think it's really sad that uh, sadly both of them have passed away, and uh, we we could never Crazy. see a three minute warning reunion. Really, really unfortunate. Uh, both part of that Samoan dynasty. Those guys, both hmm. deserving in the Hall of Fame, in my view. Uh, we'll see if it ever happens. Cool. Well, uh, on that, in terms of watching things this week, shall we move on to the match of the week? Wrestling recommendations. Wrestling recommendations. Wrestling recommendations. Match of the week. Oh yeah. Okay, this week's match of the week. I'll try and keep it somewhat short because we've we've kind of spoke about this era um, already today. But uh, this is from two thousand and eight, around WrestleMania sort of time. And my match of the week recommendation is a match that I have totally forgotten about, um, for, mainly because I hadn't come back to this era in a while, but also because these two wrestlers wrestled each other so many times, a lot of their matches yeah. kind of get blurred. And uh, my match of the week this week is from No Way Out 2008, and it's for the WWE Championship. It is Randy Orton versus John Cena. Um, yeah. John Cena won the Royal Rumble in 2008 and he refuses to wait until WrestleMania and he says, I want to do it now. I want to do it at no way out. So that means that whoever won the Elimination Chamber that night would go on to wrestle the champion at WrestleMania. So 
the title match happens about yeah before the Raw Chamber because the Raw Chamber is the main event, which is awesome by the way. If you're looking for an Elimination yeah. Chamber match to watch, check that one out. Um, but the reason I picked this one is a couple of things. Uh, as I say, it was kind of forgotten about. You know, you think of like maybe SummerSlam 09 or is it TLC 2013 they have a match? These like yeah. main event matches between Orton and Cena. They ended up being really good. They had like an Iron Man match and an I Quit match and that sort of thing around kind of 2009 sort of time. But, uh, and even before in 2007, before Cena got injured, they had the, the SummerSlam match and stuff. Um which they've always had really good chemistry, but this one is just totally gone from my memory. And uh, they have this really good match, but what makes this match is the crowd. And you know the way around this time and and onwards from there, when Cena would be in these high-profile matches, the crowd would be, you know, electric, but it would always be like 70-30, either, you know, 70 for people hating Cena towards, like, the kids in the crowd or whatever, or it would be 70-30 to the fact where the 70% were, like, everybody cheering Cena. It was always kind of like, you either like him or you don't, depending on where you are in the America, you know? That's um, right, yeah. This match here, I'm not even joking, this crowd are 50-50 for both guys. It's just an absolutely electric watch this. Do um, you just love it when that happens? Whether or not they intend it to be the case? whether Because usually the bookers would only want that if it's two baby faces. But yeah. I don't care if it's two heels or face and heel. When there's a split, and it's a passionate crowd, it adds so much. And I mean, we know how great Orton and Cena are, and they'll go down as two of the greatest ever, but I don't want to hear anybody say that these two aren't legit top guys, don't deserve to be in the top guys, uh, to be in the top spot, don't deserve to be main eventers, don't deserve to be champion, when these two guys are standing in the ring and they haven't even done anything yet, and the place is going yeah. mental, that's when you know you've got two stars. I mean, I, I bring up the Roman Reigns thing all the time. I don't want to hear Roman Reigns is a bad wrestler and all that because the response he gets oh, is ridiculous, you know? Um, it's ridiculous. It's but yeah, it bothers me to no end. If, if you try and tell me that Roman can't wrestle or that John Cena can't wrestle or that Randy Orton can't wrestle, I'm sorry, I think between you and I, we could probably come up with, you know, 10, at least 10 matches each that prove otherwise. Uh, yeah. Like, those guys are stars for reasons and you know what we have so much choice in wrestling now that if it bothers you that these guys are in the main event or were in the main event at their respective eras go watch aw go and watch nxt uk or, or 205 live or check out your local indie promotion there's something for everyone in wrestling nowadays it's just crazy i mean another thing you know why people don't like that sort of thing is because they don't think that crowd reaction and 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 you know energy from a crowd in an arena is part of wrestling this is part of wrestling you know um being in you know charismatic and enthusiastic about it and stuff to get that emotion out of a crowd that is part of wrestling it's just as big of a part of wrestling as being good at risk clocks and stuff like edge and orton who are going to be in the greatest match ever you know yeah um, so <laughs> I, I don't know man seeing these, these crowd reactions and listening to this match it's almost like you don't even think about the moves and stuff you know because the crowd are so into it it's great and there's a finish that comes out of nowhere that you won't expect unless you can remember it, of course. But I'd recommend checking this one out. And have you ever noticed when you're watching shows, do you ever recognize certain fans that are always in like the front row? Yes. So I'll, I'll list you a few right now. So there's the couple that the the bald guy in the pink, the bright pink shirt and his wife's in a yep. bright yellow shirt. Um, they, they've been in backstage segments before in Raw. I've noticed that really? watching them a watch long. Yeah, they're there known. There was Vladimir, who was more of a 90s guy who would show up in ECW, WCW and WWE in the front row. And the muscly guy. Muscly guy. And he, the last time, the most recent thing I've seen him in was at One Night Stand 2005. 
uh, where you just the camera passes passes him, and you just see him go ACW. Um, I, <laughs> of course, there's Brock Lesnar guy, insane guy, and then um, uh, yeah. Frank Frank the Clown as well. More recently, uh, and then back going back to ECW, you had Hat Guy and the original Sane Guy as well. So yeah. um, there's there's but I, you know what you don't see a lot of Sane Guy anymore, but I loved him like Rick Rick isn't it? Rick, his name is yeah. Rick. Um, well, his, his his philosophy was that you go and you you know you cheer the good guys and you boo the bad guys. That's the way it works, you know. Yeah, I'm, I've always done that. Well, actually, that's a lie. I did go for a smarky face, didn't we all? Um, yeah. But in principle, <laughs> that is what I do. Is I, I I I love to cheer the good guys because I wouldn't go and see a pantomime and start cheering for the evil queen. You know, I want yeah. Snow White to prevail, and I think it ruins it for everyone else, and especially a WWE show. Uh, when they ever come around to the hydro, there's so many kids around you that I, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. I feel like you're a wee bit over your own head. Just I know you pay your money, you can cheer whoever you like, but you know when I'm sitting around around by wee Waynes who can't believe that they're getting to see Roman Reigns in the flesh, I want them yeah. to enjoy that. So I don't want their experience to be slightly tarnished by some numpty and a few rows behind them going, "Yeah, you can't wrestle." <laughs> uh- <laughs> Yeah, or you can have our experience that we talked about when the child, when the kids are like, "Oh my God, Roman Reigns all he does is drugs," and and Vince Vince just loves all the guys that does drugs. Yeah, yeah. Vince all loves all the guys that does drugs. Yeah, we like that like slapping our foreheads. Where were these kids during the steroid scandal? They would have ensured they got to jail. Ah, bloody hell, there'll be a new scandal soon if you're not careful. Bloody it's, hell. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the way you do it, you know what I mean? Like You can you can clap your favourites if your favourite's a heel and you can appreciate them and you can sit and smile and laugh and talk about how great he is. But that's fine. You can't just don't stand up and scream at the top of your head and tell kids to sit down because they don't know anything about wrestling and stuff, you know what I mean? There's a way to do I it. Think- you need to look in the mirror if you're that kind of fan. Yeah. And if you want if you want a show where you can do that, I would say go to ICW where I think like or other no but other local promotions like ICW is an adult only product. I know they do actually do their wrestling experience shows now which is pretty cool, like a family friendly version of the product. Yeah, really cool. But yeah. um but you know in ICW they they really do like listen to the crowd and and it's more i think it's more fair game there like for you to boo who you like or cheer who you like and that's kind of encouraged i think i think you know the lionheart joe henry angle the the, the kind of double turn that they did where joe henry went heel and lionheart went face that was, kind that was of great by the audience that was the audience that did that but that that's different at a wwe show which is for everyone it's for families I, like i just don't see I don't know. I just I think there's something quite fun. like here's a here's an example. I love Kevin Owens, and Kevin Owens. I know he's a face right now, but if he was a heel, he'd be a great heel. And I can just imagine being at a show, being having good seats, close enough to interact with him, and I would boo him out the building, and I'd want him to flip me off and tell me where to go. But behind that layer, there's this respect from me that oozes out to him, and and I hope coming from him an appreciation that I am booing him. Because that's how I show respect to how good he is as being a villain. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's my applause for him. Like, you're so good at what you're doing that I am going to thumbs down and tell you that you suck, you know? Yeah, there's a great area as well, you know, where, like, there's people who you hate because they're so great, you know? 
um, yeah. who are so great at being heels, but then there's also people that you don't like because, for other reasons, you know, maybe because maybe they're not the greatest and you don't agree with them or whatever, you know, um, or they're dangerous, not to mention any wrestlers in the WWE just now, but, um, yeah. you know, things like that, you know, there's, there's a grey area, but I, I think when you're booing someone so passionately, you know, it's because they're so great at their job, you know, but anyway, yeah. um, I was kind of talking about the, the certain fans that you remember. You mentioned all the kind of main ones there, apart from two. And the two that I'm talking about, there was one guy who was the We Hate Cena guy. And he kind of like had dark hair and he yeah. made his own T-shirts. And okay. uh, he handed them handed them out to all his friends and family that would go and they'd sit in the front row. And uh, it was like this black T-shirt and it was like a picture of Cena with like the sort of like um, no entry sign thing, like a sort of red cross over his face. And it would just say, we hate Cena. And it was like, anything that came out, he would just scream at Cena and show him these t-shirts and stuff. And actually, at WrestleMania 26, I believe, when Cena won the WWE title, um, Cena goes down and Cena stands next to him and the guy's screaming in his face. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, and then my, my favourite fan, if you want to say that, or my favourite recurring fan that's now become a character on the show, there's this family. And I don't know if anybody else has noticed this. I don't know if I'm the only one. Right? I may be, I'm really sad this way, but I notice these things. But um, I might be the only one. But there's this family that always sit in the front row. It's like it's a dad, a mum, and a son. The dad is kind of older. He's got glasses, kind of kind of bald, and always had this big camera. And he would always take pictures of people with this big camera. The wife yeah. was always kind of looking like um, not not sad and angry, but you know the way when you kind of when you've got like a kind of sour look in your face, like she kind of always looked a bit that when she saw something she, she didn't like, you know, a resting um, bee face. Yeah, kind of like a t- tasting a lemon sort of thing. And then, uh, and they had a son who was really, really quiet and looked as if like he was always really sad like, at all times, and he would never really do anything. He'd just kind of sit there, and he had like kind of longish hair and he would, in glasses, and he would just sit there. But then it's really nice because over time, these fans are always there at these big shows. They're always in the front row, um, and you've kind of seen them grow up a little bit to where now the son is like a full-on, you know, grown-up, and he's, he's standing up and he's cheering folk now, and that's just that's just something I've noticed over time. So anytime these guys are in like the or this family's in like the crowd, I'm always I feel I find myself always looking at them like when something big happens to see how they are reacting, and I don't know why. It's just because either they're right yeah. in the center of the screen, um, and also because they're a good judge of like what's happening. You know, if something's done really really well, they'll have a great reaction. It's kind of a good gauge of how well the storyline of the match is coming across. You know, um, so yeah. these these people that this we hate seeing a guy in this family are on the front row during this Orton and Cena match. And like they are so anti Cena, where this we hate Cena guy has brought a sign that says Cena ruined WWE, and I'm just thinking like like I want to know what like how you know <laughs> yeah how did they ruin WWE like you, oh, I get you don't like him and obviously he's not the same as Austin and Rock and Hogan yeah but he, how does he, I mean, look at the sellout crowd look at all this you know what I mean look at this yeah. reaction he's getting you know I just I'm sorry but. I I I always like I know they wanted Cena to be cheered, and he was he was booed by portions of the audience, and sometimes most of the audience. But I've always been a subscriber to belief of in wrestling. Any reaction is a good reaction, and any reaction is validation. Here's one of yep. the best examples ever: the night after WrestleMania 33. This is my yard now. Oh, amazing! Roman Reigns was a babyface, but he was booed out that building, and. I'm sorry, like I know the fans really, really slaughtered him out there, but he came out of that looking amazing. He looks so he... badass. I'm unfazed. And that's why I love the Roman Reigns character. He's just this badass who has a moral compass, but he he is resilient and he's tough. And th- I was already a Reigns fan before that, but that show, that segment did the same thing for me that 
when I was 15 that Cena and RVD at one night standard. Yeah. Like Cena was so resilient and so tough in the face of that hostile crowd that it converted me to being a fan. He's just got the whole crowd who every single person in that building is just screaming at him and they hate him. And I believe yeah. the chant is, we all hate you. And and Roman has just got them all in the in the palm of his hand and like he's lifting the microphone up and not speaking, just letting them scream even more. It's great. Um, Roman's just one of the best performers. But, I just um, think so. And I, yeah, think, sorry, I think if I... Sorry, you, you go. I'm, I'm rambling over your... your sorry, I was just going to say long, long-winded segment there, but that just sparked that discussion of, you know, being these sort of fans and getting those reactions that we all kind of crave for, you know? Yeah, I just think if you're not... like. If you if you hate hated Cena back in the noughties or whatever, I just think at some point you need to accept that Steve Austin wasn't ever going to wrestle forever. Neither was mm-hmm. The Rock. Like I know Triple H and Undertaker are kind of proving me wrong there, but you know, <laughs> um, but most of them aren't going to, um, and uh, most of them don't have immortality. And it's just you know, I just think if I'm a little kid watching wrestling, I'm going to love Roman Reigns because he's cool. He's a superhero, and when I watch a segment like that this is my yard now, I'm going to think, look how good he is at standing up to adversity or standing up to a bully. Because basically he's he's being bullied in that segment, you know, in the, I think in the eyes of a kid. Uh, and he just, you know, dusts it off and stays strong. And I think if I was a wee kid being, going for bullying or just, you know, looking for somebody to look up to, that segment would just make me more of a Reigns fan. More, yeah. much more of a Reigns fan than it would have been. So yeah, uh, great recommendation, Chris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so a wee reminder: uh, match of the week is Randy Orton versus John Cena for the WWE title at No Way Out 2008. Don't go back to watch it just because of the wrestling aspect. It's got a really good finish that you don't see coming. However, go and watch it for the crowd. Look at the crowd and listen to the crowd. That is electric. Um, for two guys that really were just getting started, you know. Excellent. Excellent. I'm 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 thankful that you that you shared that with us today. What a beautiful segue! <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. What are you thankful for this week? What I'm thankful for in wrestling this week. Oh yeah. Uh Chris. Um, instead of telling you what I'm thankful for, I want you to infer what I'm thankful for, uh, and I'm going to let you hear a little something. So it's not Mark Henry song again, is it? No, but you're not far off it. <laughs> this world is crazy Holding on tight Trying hard just to keep control Don't let go I know the sun Etc. Do you know what that was, Chris? Absolutely not. But um, tell me, because I've that, got something on the tip of my tongue. But tell me, that is the classic soulful ballad. Put a little ass on it by Rikishi oh. from the record which I am thankful for this week: <laughs> WWE Originals. Put a little ass on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to get you the chorus because it's so good. It's put a little ass on it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't find it but <laughs> but you need to check out so folks um if you don't know in 2003 or 2000, 2004 it was WWE yeah. released an album called WWE Originals 
And this was not part of the series of records that WWE would put out where you would just get the wrestlers' entrance music. No, this was a CD of original songs performed by the wrestlers themselves. What could possibly go wrong, Chris? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Her angle rapping? Would you, you know, like... <laughs> I don't suck, really. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, I don't suck is one of those ones that is just... Wow. So I won't I won't keep playing bits from songs. But um just to give you a bit of context, so this uh, this came out when I was uh, 13 and what I remember is that I was off sick. I had an ear infection when I was 13. Uh so I was I would have been in first year or second year school maybe. And by coincidence, I think Robert was off as well. And so Robert came around to my house on my birthday whilst my mum was at work and he hung out with me uh, and he gave me my birthday present and it was WWE Originals nice. and it came with a bonus DVD as well and I uh, <laughs> uh, there's a running series of segments on the CD between Steve Austin and Jim Johnston uh, where it's just them talking and progressively Steve Austin his gears are grinded by Jim Johnston and eventually it leads to a violent and physical altercation which you can only hear because you can't see it um and it's got some classics I wonder if I could take you through some of the great songs the just the titles of them if you wouldn't mind yeah go for it so performed by the Dudley boys we've got we had enough which um <clears throat> I don't know if you that's probably one of my favorite songs on it's actually pretty good it's uh Devon uh, and Bubba Ray are actually pretty good doing the kind of sing talk rapping kind of okay. stuff. And Bubba's not got a bad voice. We've had enough of the what you coulda, the what you shoulda, the what you would have done. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> um, Trish Stratus does uh, a song called I Just Want You, which is you're just kind of like kind of Britney kind of pop of the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, is, is this one um, not all right? This one's quite good, isn't it's it? Not bad. She's got a nice voice. And on the bonus DVD, Jim Johnson kind of seems... I'm not going to lie, he seems a wee bit creepy around her. Um, and, oh, really? uh, yeah, and he keeps saying, like, oh, I think, you know, um, I think, she, you know, we, we could do a lot more together with this. And, of course, there was never, ever another Trish Stratus record. Um, we had uh, Crossing Borders by Rey Mysterio, which is also pretty good because it's, it's a rap about crossing the border from Tijuana to San Diego, uh, which is pretty good. Uh <laughs> The the Booker T song was used as his entrance theme. Can you yeah. dig it again? Not that bad. one. It's a, it's a good kind of rap song, but not a good rap song. I don't suck the Kurt Angle one. That one Wait is. A a... Do you remember? Um, do you remember when he used when Booker T used "Can You Dig It" as his theme song? But then when he was teaming with RVD, uh, they, they tried one of a like kind a mashup. So it was yeah. like, "Can you dig it, Morgan?" <laughs> oh my god! I used to laugh so much when they would do that, like. They were trying merge songs like Jericho and Showmiz. Yeah, and I thought Jericho was good, but the Showmiz one was a mess. It was, yeah, and uh, Rated RKO was okay because oh, yeah, it just yeah. went back and forth between Metal Ingus and um, Burning My Light. My Light. Yeah. Um, then we had um, When I Get You Alone by Lita. It doesn't sound predatory at all. Wow. Um, here's a really good one You Don't Know Me At All by Lillian Garcia. We know how good a singer she is. That's a really yeah. good kind of motivational kind of rock ballad uh 
class this is something that should he should be using now if he would be allowed to chris jericho does don't you wish you were me it's <laughs> just don't you on. wish you were wish me, you were I me. Yeah. everything a man could be uh yeah so that's full-on jericho heel jericho and it's actually you know it works for him we've then of course got put a little ass on it by rikishi which is just i'm seeing the dvd rikishi says that he's been wanting to do this for years because he apparently used to sing on the road with yokozuna when they would travel together uh <laughs> he doesn't he's not a bad singer but it's just it stops being acceptable i think as a song you can take seriously when you yeah. when he starts talking about put a little ass on it and there's no real clarity what that actually means within the context of the song because it seems to be a song about <laughs> calm down my love um these difficult times aren't so bad it's okay all you've got to do is put a little ass on it what, what does that mean <laughs> you know because it's not clear is it's supposed to be a suggestive thing i don't know um oh my god Stacey Keebler is auto-tuned to the max with Don't You Just Want to Dance? Or, sorry, Why Can't We Just Dance? Uh, and then they stuck basic thugonomics on at the end of it, which is, of course, a great a great song as well. So, of course. Um, uh, but the thing I love most about it is the DVD that came with it, which is, like I mentioned a few things from it, with the behind-the-scenes of it. And you do get the impression from the bonus DVD that uh, Jim Johnson hates Jonathan Coachman, who kind of presents the whole thing. <laughs> really? Coach is kind of heel coach at that point. And when he leaves the kind of the recording studio, Jim Johnson just goes up to the chair coach was sitting on and goes, oh, well, I, uh, I guess I gotta have this chair cleaned. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the show, Jonathan Coachman. Mm-hmm. Coach, we love you. Thank you uh, for doing that introduction. And, you know, we should just replay that one time. Just use it again. Just recycle yeah. it. Uh, great intro from the sh- from the coach that he recorded the day of WrestleMania. Uh, but, yeah, so I'm thankful for basic... Basic fucking... No, I'm thankful for WWE Originals because it is a mix of awful and brilliant and sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between the two. And simply, you know... You, you you probably won't die sad if you'd never hear I Don't Suck or Put a Little Ass on it, but you should still listen to it because it will round you and complete you as a person. So I am grateful, Chris, for uh, the wacky and ridiculous but somewhat brilliant project that was WWE Originals. I can't imagine why they've never done anything like that since, well, apart from the Elias EP that came out, they've yeah. never produced a, a, a an album like that which i would are there any guys and girls in the roster you would like to hear do their own songs now keith lee mm. there you go he's got a great voice he he's sang I've a bunch of stuff sing. and he, he does this thing he used to do it in the indies he's not done an nxt i'm just waiting for the moment where like a big move would happen and and keith would sing oh my god he'd go oh my god and he'd like scream <laughs> it and uh, the, the fans would pop. He still would do it in NXT. I'm waiting for it. But um, he'd be great. And I'm, I'm sure they could do a bunch of folk. Like, there's loads of ones. I'd love to hear a Seth Rollins song. <laughs> oh, my God. But Seth Rollins has got that kind of raspy voice. You know, I don't I know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, it's, it's, I'm thinking about, I mean, obviously, Elias is one. In, yeah, I loved um, I love Ty- I love the Tyler Breeze theme. You know, I oh, loved, exactly. Loved, there you go. There's one. And uh, Woods, oh, Xavier Woods. Of course, yes. Oh, can I just throw in as a, as a side note? I'm so happy that Breeze Angle are back. It's the best thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, I love both those guys. Tyler Breeze a bit more. I just wish they'd stuck with the original Prince Pretty gimmick, you know? Um, but yeah. Breeze Angle are a great team. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else on the roster right now who, like, Miz and Morrison, of course, did that song before WrestleMania, that diss yeah. track, which was so brilliant because it was terrible. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I think of the Matt Cardona uh, as Zack Ryder doing doing the Broski song from about a decade ago. That's right. Um, no, Hoski. You Hoski. are a Hoski. Yeah. Terrible, really. Yeah, those are some good ones. Um, but yeah, um, I remember, like, do you remember I told a story a couple of weeks ago where I came back from Rebellion and some kid asked me what it was like seeing Vince versus Shane and I just lied and said, yeah, it was great because yeah. the kid was mistaken. I remember, I've never... I think it was, was it Robert or somebody else? I told, it may have been Robert. Robert, if you're listening, uh, and it was you I said this to, I'm sorry. Maybe it was my brother. But I remember, for no particular reason, just compulsively, like, or sorry, impulsively lying about something on this record. I, I told somebody that Kane had a track on it, and I even made it up in my head. I started going, all the fire and the pain, it is good to be <laughs> Kane. I know, and I just, I think it was either Lewis, my brother, or Robert, and I just lied and said, yeah, it's great, Kane has a song, and it's sung to the Kane theme, all the fire and the pain, it is good to be Kane, and that's the only line I came up with, I'm actually blushing now, thinking about it, like, it it's one of these just weird Kane. things, I was 13, and I decided to write a little song about Kane and lie and say that it existed, when, like, you could easily fact check that, even in 2004, like, yeah. God, other other for the record. Sorry, go on. I was just gonna say for the record, Kane has never performed his own song. No, <laughs> I do like it though when other like when there's other wrestling songs from not in the wrestling. You know, like recently the band. I don't know how familiar how familiar you are with Bowling for Soup, but they did a, She's a band. The girl, all the bad guys one. They did a song recently called Alexa Bliss. And really? uh, it was all about Alexa Bliss. You don't see it? No, I'll send you the link. It's um, it's great. Yeah, Alexa Bliss and the music I d- video. And stuff I just and... assumed that Bowling for Soup stopped existing after two thousand and one. No, no, she's a big fan. Apparently, and they made a song about her. Why oh, can't every one. girl be more like Alexa Bliss? That's how it goes. Um, it's only got one point five million views on YouTube. So there you go. I'm going to send you a link to it. Uh, yeah. In terms of the WWE CDs, I always loved them. Like I wore Forceful Entry out on the you know the car DVD, CD player for months um i like that one that was my favorite one but they all like the one from like 2008 sort of time with like no more words and uh, they had the ecw theme song that went oh, i've heard you've been looking for me but that was a great you've one you've got a nice yeah. a nice wee baritone going on there chris moffat <laughs> why are you not doing, why are you not doing the oh yes on the segments which are non-negotiable by the way we're never getting rid of them um why are you not <laughs> doing them because all the years I've been imitating Creed, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> when you say you Creed, do you mean the band or the creepy character from The Office? <laughs> Definitely don't make uh, impressions of Creed from The Office. Can I just, um, before we move on, just quickly suggest to everyone listening, I'm not going to play it and I'm not going to give you any lyrics, <laughs> but there's a famous um, mashup thing on YouTube, the Jim Ross rap, My Ass. Oh my God, it's legendary. It's brilliant, and someone's basically taken a lot of his commentary tracks, mainly a lot of them are from the Warzone video game, actually, uh, and and made this ridiculously suggestive rap, and um, just, uh, unless Chris, you want to... suggestive. Well, I'm thinking of the 30 men will end, anyway. Um, Chris, maybe maybe perhaps that should be what plays us out today. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, okay. I don't or know maybe know, because someone made that, you know? Yeah, that's true. Or maybe maybe we should take something from originals or just not. Maybe we should just move on. Um, but I think it is good. To, it may be time to move on, but it's also time for... Toilet break. Oh, yeah. 
Welcome back, everybody, from the toilet break. I have, during the toilet break, I was looking on my Spotify and I have an album that I've created myself um, called The Rasslin'. And it's basically just a playlist of all like the theme songs that are on Spotify in case I'm ever walking nice. somewhere with intent, with reckless intent. No, pardon the pun. <laughs> Boom, roasted. And, uh, <laughs> and I just want to walk to like uh, the Big Boss Man's theme song or something. I'll just play that. So I'm going to. Oh, that's a great walking theme. Yeah. Although I do love his original one from like the the 80s and the 90s, you know. I prefer that one. I prefer that one. Okay, so I'm going to click shuffle and we'll see which theme song comes on. Ready? Go. Oh, Belter from Reckless Intent. Maria slash Stacey Kibler. Is that Zebrahead? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zebra hit. <laughs> Legs go on and off for days. They did a really good song called Playmate of the Year. That was one of their biggest hits. They uh, did a song they're, called, they're, um, sorry, go on. I was just saying, they're kind of, for me, in that kind of same pop-punk era as Bowling for Soup. Like I, they're, right, they, right. They, they're a band that, they're a time capsule for me. They take me back to like being like 13 and 14 and all I wanted to listen to was Blink-182 and uh, you know, uh, offspring and and calling for soup, uh, calling the for offspring, soup, no. yeah, bowling for soup, bowling uh, for soup. and and yeah. zebra. I love head. that song. Uh, I, do you know why I said one. calling for soup? Is because when I was at school, there was a, a really good <laughs> band um, uh, called Calling for Sushi. Like like uh, in right. our year group, there was a bunch of boys in our year group who did uh, who had a band called Calling for Sushi. And at our school, we would do battle the bands every single year. And um, there was so many good bands. The band I was in was not one of them. Um, and uh, I played synthesizer for a band, and we were awful. We were, but we were almost like Spinal Tap awful. So I think I'd like to think there was something endearing about it. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and, uh, sadly, we did no wrestling covers. But uh, that's oh. that's uh, that's uh, that that tangent's kind of hit a brick wall. So let's move on. Yeah, let's do one more. What's coming up next? Oh. The best ever. Do you think it's the best ever, really? Now, have you heard about the much-fabled Vince McMahon version of that? No, I've never heard it, but I kind of vaguely know about it. Same. Right. So we all know that when Sean first shows up with that theme, it was Sensational Sherry who originally sang that song. And then Michaels did his own version of it. Uh, he just recorded his own vocals, and that's the version that he uses to this day. But apparently... There exists a version of Sexy Boy sung by Vince McMahon. And you can just hear it, you know, if you think Absolutely. about it. Um, but apparently every time it goes online, it gets taken down. And I've never heard it and I've always wanted to. So mm. if anyone's listening to this can link me up to uh, Vince McMahon doing Sexy Boy. I, ex- I have my, my expectations are high because I think about such classic performances as Stand Back. Uh, you know, I, I think Vince McMahon has a, a good groove and a good a good uh, drawl to his voice. So, yeah, if anyone has heard the Vince McMahon sexy boy theme and wants to describe it for me, then please um, contact us. How can people get in touch with the show, Chris? Great point, great question. Uh, you can get us on social media on Instagram at Wrestle Connection, and you can get us on Twitter at Wrestle Connect One, or even on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Wrestling Connection. Can we please do a whole episode on theme songs soon? Oh, God, yes, please, because it's clear that we have a lot to say about them, so that'd be awesome. I'd love that. Yeah, we'll do that soon. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, let's carry on with what we kind of chatted about last week, and we kind of put a pin on it last week because we had been going for so long, and we were like not even you know made a dent into our lists. 
talking about our favourite pay-per-views of all time. We kind of got into yeah. kind of early 2000s and we talked about a couple of WrestleManias. WrestleMania 24 in particular, still a great show. And of course, that's been around the sort of time I've been watching this week. So that was kind of cool to revisit that. But um, in terms of other great pay-per-views and favourite pay-per-views of all time, what other ones do you have on your list that you would like to chat about? I've got a few here. Um, and, you know, if I was to do it chronologically, the next one on my list would be another WrestleMania. But I think hmm, I think there's one that I want to talk about just to make sure that we cover it. Because I don't know if it's on everyone's list, but it's kind of been a, a maybe an obscure favourite of mine because I had it on DVD and I watched it religiously over and over again for many years. And that is Unforgiven 2006. Oh, yes. Good one. Absolutely. So I was 15 when this show happened, and I remember being really excited about the build-up for it because it was the only time in history that a Hell in a Cell and a TLC match has been promoted on the same card. As far as I'm aware, I think that's the only time that's yeah. ever happened. Um, and there's... there's um, and the other memorable thing from that show is Trish Stratus's retirement match with Lita, mm. which is a great yeah, match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and really what good. part of what makes that apart from the fact that you've got two excellent wrestlers, part of what makes that match is the atmosphere and the audience. They're so behind Trish because it's in Toronto, so obviously the, the the love for Trish is great. She beats Lita with the sharpshooter, of course. Uh, Shades of Bret Hart, the one of uh, well, he's from Calgary, but one of Canada's you know most famous wrestlers of all time. Um, but I actually have a lot of fondness for the Hell in the Cell match, and I think some people. You know, a lot of people maybe don't like this match. It's a three-on-two handicap match. It's the McMahons and Big Show versus Degeneration X, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And uh, I kind of loved it because I feel like if you're going to put those that combination of those five men in a Hell in a Cell match, I don't think it could be any better than what it was. And I even like the stupid ending with the kind of Big Show's, you know, Vince McMahon kissing Big Show's arse at the end of the match. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was brutal. It was violent. It was first time that the, the modern day cell was ever used, the, the taller one, as opposed to the, the more iconic cell that, you know, McFoley got f- chucked off of. Um, yeah, right. It was the first time that taller cell was ever used. And then to top it all off, I think Edge and Cena have a really good TLC match. And it was, again, I think. I may be wrong here. I think it was the first ever singles TLC match, although I think Edge and Ric Flair had one on Raw. Um, yeah, I think earlier in the, the year. First yeah. yeah, so that was maybe the first singles TLC match, but it was the first one on pay-per-view for sure. And that's got a great finish with the, the FU as it was at the time off the top rope. And again, that's another match that consolidated me as a Cena fan because it doesn't get more hostile than face, facing Edge in Toronto. You know what I mean? Um, there were still yeah. cheers for Cena. Yeah, absolutely. Edge's match. Uh, they were still kids cheering for Cena, but he was a Toronto boy and he was a heel, but he was a cool heel Edge. You know, he was he was doing that kind of yeah. rated R sex and violence and kind of gimmick. And certainly as a 15 year old guy, like at the time, I I was a huge Edge fan at the time. Um, so, although I didn't quite ever forgive him for the whole Matt Hardy Lita thing. You know, my, my immature yeah. kind of perspective on that really i didn't really fully grasp it so i just kind of hated on edge uh but i loved i love that show and i don't know if it's a show you remember fondly um but mainly for those three matches trish and lita the mcmahon's versus dx with big show and the cena edge tlc match it just it was a good variety show that's what i loved about it i like wrestling shows that are variety shows and that's to go back to what we're saying about booing the heels and cheering the faces that's what some of these fans need to remember is that 
the WWE being a mainstream product, they're trying to appeal to everybody, especially at a big show like a WrestleMania or any pay-per-view. So they yep. will have like uh, a Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak, but you're also going to get the Firefly Funhouse match or, you know, Braun Strowman beating Goldberg. You know, you're going to get a mix of things in these products. Uh, and you need to accept that. There's, there needs to be something for everybody and it can't just be all about what you want. You know, if I had my way in AEW, it would probably look slightly different, but I still love it for what it is. I'm not a huge Chris Jericho fan, but I still enjoy what he does. Like, I still appreciate yeah. and respect his contributions to wrestling. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's like you need to kind of put your own ego to one side when you consume wrestling. And I think this is a good example of why that's important because this is a very eclectic show and there's a bit of everything. And it's also got cool artwork on it as well with the oh, yeah. unforgiven words cut into Cena's chest. Uh, you would never see that today. Never. Yeah. Yeah, a bit too violent for today. Um, this show, I have fond memories of this show when I was younger, big time, um, because mm. the novelty of having like these two, maybe the two biggest and most like favourite stipulation kind of matches when I was younger, a TLC and yeah. a Hell in a Cell on the same show, my God. Um, yeah. Only way you would get better than that would maybe have a ladder match, but I suppose a TLC match is like an, an, an upgrade, you know? Um, mm. But yeah, this week when I was talking about you know, watching all the 2008 pay-per-views and that sort of thing, it made me realise the just how lucky we are with the network that we just have everything at, the, at our fingertips, you know? Yeah. I remember yeah. having, you know, I've been really, really lucky with, like, and really good with my collecting over the years. And when I was younger, especially pre-network days, it was all about WWE DVDs. I'd try and get as many as I could to, you know, to get this massive library of, of DVDs. And I still have them all in my room. Yeah. Um, even though I never use them because everything's on the network, you know? Um, but I actually had to give my network login to my cousin who wanted to watch the Undertaker series. So I was like, right, well, he's going to use that. I can't use the network. And I was about to watch Judgment Day 2008 <laughs> this week. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I wonder if I've got it in DVD. So I went up to my room and I found the DVD and I put it in and I was like, it reminded me of like my mate having this pay-per-view on DVD. And he also had Unforgiven 06, which is what reminded me of this. And just like wearing these DVDs out because you would watch them over and over again. And it's not as if it was just easy, you know, like to go and, you know, pick a match or whatever like you can do in the network. Like you had to go and buy the DVD, bring it home, you know, put the DVD in and do all that sort of stuff. And it made me realize yeah. like how how special that kind of was. And really these pay-per-views like Unforgiven 06, like you say, and like some of these 08 ones and definitely some of the 09 ones. Like my mate Grant, who was my best friend all through school, who I've not really spoken to that often recently, which is a shame. Um, but we we were just diehard, you know, wrestling fans and stuff, and we'd always go to each other's houses and have sleepovers and that sort of thing. And we'd always watch these pay-per-views on DVD, like put them into the PlayStation and just let them play. And uh, shows like that are really like, you know, bring back those kind of nostalgic memories for me, you know? You know, it's uh, we are lucky to have it, but I like, I agree with what you're saying about there's there was something about that era of collecting dvds i had a big collection as well um i don't know about you but did you ever have like this is something that you don't get anymore at all but the excitement of going into cex to see what would be there on the wrestling shelf was always like a great thing for me and i still every time i'm in that shop now uh if anyone doesn't know it's like a basically a trade-in store where you can buy secondhand dvds and games and things and consoles uh but like every time I'm in, I still look at the wrestling section, even though there's no need for me to buy anything from there. But every now and then you'll see little nuggets, wee gems. But I used to yep. love seeing like what they had. And uh, I would regularly buy DVDs from there back in the pre-network era. I love going in there. I always look at any shop I'm in, Asda, HMV, Tesco, anyone. I'm always looking at the DVDs to see the films. But always, it's always nice to see 
you know, what wrestling wins they have, you know. And, and recently, right before lockdown happened, I did one last acting gig before lockdown. It was like the it was like the day before lockdown, really. It was like the last thing to do, you know, before yeah. we couldn't leave a house again. And it was through <laughs> in Edinburgh. And um I went through there and I didn't have it was so weird. I didn't have a call time in this industry. You get really, really funny stories and crazy stories and just like, how does this happen? But I didn't have a call time. I was just told it was going to be in the afternoon. So I just went yeah. to Edinburgh at midday <laughs> and just thought I'll just walk about until I'm called, you know? But it was like the day before lockdown and everything was shut. Like Starbucks had been shut and McDonald's had been shut, so I couldn't go in anywhere and sit. I just had to walk about Edinburgh for four hours or whatever, you know, until yeah. I was called. And funnily enough, CEX was the only shop that was open. And uh, I went and killed about an hour in CEX walking about, and I went to the wrestling section, and they had like all these old WWF DVDs and stuff. And I was like, my God, really? if this was there 10 years ago, I would have been freaking out, you know? Yeah. It's, so. it, it's, it, but it's, it, you were saying as well about, you know, giving your network password away. I've done that a lot recently and, you know, we're all about how wrestling connects us. That's the name of our show. That's the whole, the point of this show is that we, 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 we talk about how much we love wrestling because it's something that we can have in common with anyone really, no matter what your, your values, your background, your politics are like wrestling is so universal, isn't it? Uh, and yeah. uh, one of my old colleagues recently from my my uh, the, the school I recently left, um, you know him actually, you met him at my wedding actually. Uh, one of my <laughs> colleagues uh, texted me during lockdown and said, uh, "Here, I've got a, a free evening. The kids are both asleep." Uh, and then he sent me a gif of like the Mega Powers, Macho Man and Hogan, and he said, "I want to watch classic wrestling from around this era." Uh, but I have no idea where to start. And I, I said, well, here's my network login, and I want you to watch, and I know it's a wee bit later than Mega Powers, but I said, if you watch Royal Rumble 1992, you're not going to be disappointed. And yeah. he said, thank you. And then he, he contacted me like a day or two later to say, thank you so much for recommending that, Glenn. The kids went to sleep. It was just me and a glass of wine, and I loved every minute of it. I was so happy when Ric Flair won. I felt like he really deserved it because he <laughs> was into great. wrestling as a kid and that was his era. You know what I mean? And it was just so lovely. Like he, here's a guy that I've worked with for two years and uh, I get on like a house on fire with, but we'd never really spoken that much about wrestling at all. Um, and it was just nice that the, this new aspect to our relationship, I suppose, kind of came about after, just for him having the notion after seeing a gif. So that's that's uh, my my uh, sharing network password, but um, yeah, WWE would be prosecuting me for the amount of times I've shared my password. <laughs> yeah, but I love the fact they watched the whole show. That's great. You know, they'd be like did, yeah. old wrestling fans, just like maybe watch one or two matches and they've had their fix. You know, that's great. He yeah. watched the whole show to see the the finish of the rumble. That's great. Absolutely. Um, shall we move on? Uh, you yeah. you were talking about Unforgiven 06. I'll hit you with two actually from around that time. Why don't we chat a little bit about One Night Stand, 2005 and 2006? Thank you, Chris. Those are both on my list. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> that was what I was going to go to next. Dude, please, you start us off. You brought this to the table, but like, I love these shows. Let's start off with 05, the one that started the, the resurgence. Uh, why is it on your list? Well, when I was younger, you hear about ECW, you know, and um, I'd seen some clips. We talked about LimeWire before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, I managed to get some some ECW clips from LimeWire. I, I specifically remember sitting at my dining room table for some reason, watching Tommy Dreamer have that um, scaffold match where like, all the tables were all kind of built up. 
You know oh, that yeah. infamous clip, yeah? Um, yeah, yeah? I downloaded that one from LimeWire. It was like one of the first ECW clips I ever saw. Um, you can imagine my mind being blown. But I was, I was obviously yeah. never allowed to watch it because it was always you know, like an older product and stuff, you know? And yeah. I remember, right, I don't know what we were doing. I may have been going to the post office or going to maybe post a letter or maybe even just walking home from school. But I was with my dad and um, my dad at the time, um, obviously because he was more you know, interested in like the internet and stuff than I was at the time because I was a bit too young. But he would always read like um, some of the dirt sheets and that sort of thing in the news sites. And he said there's rumours that they might be bringing back ECW. And I remember asking him, I can remember exactly where I was. I was at the post box at like, the bottom of my street. I remember mm. asking him, like, see when it comes back, oh, can I watch it? Can I please watch ECW? Because I, I was never allowed to, you know? And um, I was still really young. And he was like, oh, we, we might not even get over here, you know? Because at the time, you know, it was around about that, so a wee bit earlier. They were talking about Shane McMahon was going to make it like a web show and all that sort of stuff, you know? That's right, so I was all, all these All these possibilities of what it could be, you know? And it ended up being this massive television deal on sci-fi, you know? Um, yeah. and ended up of course being on Sky Sports here so we could get it and ended up you know I was allowed to watch it because it was a bit more tame but um, this first show I remember I was off do you know what it just came back to me I was off school I was yep. I was ill and I was off school and it was the day after One Night Stand and we'd recorded it onto a DVD and I still have the DVD like the, like the bootleg one that I recorded off of Sky Sports Yeah, um, I still have it in my room and we got it on it we burned it onto a DVD and I watched One Night Stand 05 on my own um, instead of going to school and it was one of the happiest moments of my life. It's a, it's an amazing show, but I, I feel like it's not you know as good as other wrestling shows and stuff. But what it means, it's so much more. You know, in terms of this is the oh, first yeah. time we're seeing real ECW since one. And the thing about it was, it was a WWE pay per view, but it is an ECW yeah. show, total free reign um, yeah. to ECW guys. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we talk about wrestling Buffy having like something for everything. You know, there is something for everyone in this show. I love it. It's brilliant for me. Uh, I have a weird, a weird kind of way of a story about finding this show, because two thousand and five, I, my family, we didn't have the, like digital tellies or Sky at that by that point. We we hadn't had it for years, so I actually, you know, followed wrestling and loved wrestling for most of my teenage years without ever watching an episode of Raw or SmackDown or even a pay-per-view. My, my pay-per-view watching would be whatever DVDs I was able to pick up here and there. But um, keeping up with the day-to-day would depend whether or not I'd asked Robert about what happened on Raw, which I, I didn't always do consistently. So I learned that ECW was coming back and that one like stand was a thing. The morning after it, and I learned it as I was queuing outside HMV in Argyle Street, waiting to meet John Cena, which was the oh, day man. after One Night Stand. The day after One Night Stand, there was a show in Glasgow, or maybe it was a day or a couple of days after, but there was a SmackDown show really? in Glasgow. The reason I'm not sure if that timing is correct is because I know there were some SmackDown guys at the show, um, yeah. but not a huge amount to say that they couldn't have run a show in Glasgow. It was only a select few. Um, but there, there was a SmackDown show in the days afterwards. Like I, I'm pretty sure it was the Monday or the Tuesday afterwards. But basically, the W. So the, this was before WWE were regularly doing like November and April in, in the UK. That would come afterwards, like maybe in the, the year or two after that. But um, that they 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 were in Glasgow, and I was. I'll tell the story long form down the line, like the actual meeting John Cena and everything. But I, I had um, 
<clears throat> skip school to meet John Cena. And I was uh, staying, I was standing outside uh, in Argyle Street in the in the wind and the rain, and uh, listening to two people talking in front of me. And they said, "Did you see the ECW show last night, or whenever it was?" And I went, "Yeah, that was dead good." And I thought, "What ECW? What are they doing the invasion again?" I was like, "What?" Like I knew about <laughs> ECW, but I'd never really seen it. So not long after that, I um, got the Rise and Fall of ECW DVD. My and that God, was excellent, yeah. and that and that was the catalyst for this resurgence for this event was how well that DVD did. So then a few months later, I'm on a, a family holiday to the States. It's my second time in California. Uh, not So this is the second time. This is after meeting Rikishi. This is two years after that. Um, and I, I get pick it up on DVD in a shop there. And I bought it because I knew that my DVD player back home could play American region DVDs if you punch the nice. right code into it. Uh, and I must have watched that pay-per-view. Oh, God. easily in the triple figures like so much there would be weekends where i would watch it three or four times i was so mesmerized about it because it was like like nothing i'd ever seen before and there was familiar faces there of course there's also a bunch of ecw guys that i'd heard about but i'd never really properly seen in action and it was that was my real introduction to ECW, and it was only after that that I would start to then build up a library and go back and appreciate ECW and its heyday for what it was. And what I love about the One Night Stand DVD is that it comes with an extra audio commentary. Do you know about this? Yeah, yeah, JBL. Yeah, the JBL one. It's terrible, and actually, at points he's he's actually quite racist at points. Uh, yeah, really but. Yeah, about you know the different ethnic minorities and represented at the show, but it's bonkers. <laughs> um, but like the show itself is fantastic, and I, even just things like the RVD appearance. Oh, it's, that's one of my favorite parts of the whole show. It's and then the running Sabu showing up the 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 Sandman entrance, which you have to watch on YouTube to really appreciate it, because even the DVD oh. copy. They've edited out Enter Sandman, but you want to well, watch the original with Enter Sandman and hear the audience singing along. Well, now I say I've got that DVD that I burned that day. Like it's the original recording, so I've kind of got that on mm. DVD, which is really really cool. Uh, I remember, I remember watching that show, and obviously again not knowing much about ECW and not knowing a lot of the wrestlers. Um, so I'd, I'd never heard of you know Masato Tanaka. I'd never heard of uh, Super Crazy and people like that. Yeah. You know, I remembered Mike Awesome from the Invasion. But anytime someone I knew came out, I was like kind of relieved, like Jericho or Rey Mysterio or whatever. And I remember when uh, in the RVD promo, when the lights go out after Rhino comes in, I thought it was The Undertaker because I didn't yeah. know Sabu, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't know Sabu. I didn't know The Sandman. Uh, I knew Tommy Dreamer, of course, and the Dudley Boys and that sort of thing. But it was just kind of cool. I was kind of get introduced to these characters through this show. But they were, they were you know, uh, it was kind of like comebacks for them at this show. But to me, they were new, you know? Yeah. I, I, one match... One match that I love from that show that I really appreciated, it was one of the first matches in my life that I appreciated on a technical wrestling level was the opener, Lance Storm versus Chris Jericho. It's excellent. It's short. I love that match. But it's 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 such a technically sound, excellent match. And I mean, really, there's so many great things about the show, but what makes the show is the crowd and the Hammerstein Ballroom. Just just Mm. so passionate. And then you, you then go a year later and you get the same again and it's interesting to compare the two shows because i consider them both bona fide ecw shows but you can tell like the 2006 show is the platform for, for the uh the tv show yeah for the for the for that coming along 
um, and you had I still a bit like more. It, w- I still like it. You had more WWE crossover, and here's the thing: like the match doesn't open with Angle and Orton. Um, mm. No, it's Taz it, and Lawler. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Taz's last match, um, yeah. if you can call it that. But it was it was brilliant. The fans loved it. That's all you really expected from the match at that point was Taz just to choke him out. Yeah, um, he came out to his own it, song. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. And you know what? Fans accepted that because even though Lawler was a WWE guy, he had appeared in ECW in his heyday when they had the WWF crossover. And he was so vocal about being anti-ECW. That is a genuine opinion that Lawler has yeah. harbored for, for many years. He hated it. And so what better guy to put on the, the that show and have him choke out? Um, and then you've got Angle and Orton. The funny thing is, Angle was drafted to ECW in the storyline. And apart from a brief appearance, which never brought, never was never broadcasted, Angle was not an ECW guy. Um, but the, he was he fit the ECW mold, and so the fans accepted him, and they were quite happy to see him, you know, destroy Randy Orton. And then you get to uh, the tag match with um, Edge and Foley teaming up against uh, was it Terry Funk and is it Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer? Yeah, yeah, and uh, Beulah McGillicutty. Uh, yeah, and don't forget Bill Alfonso also in, involved oh, yeah. in that match. Uh, Lita's involved, isn't she? Yeah, with uh, Beulah yeah. Uh, versus this like, an intergender match. Uh, yeah, so there's so much WWE crossover, but it, it's done well on the whole. And then, of course, the main event. Uh, with Cena and RVD, which is what made me a John Cena fan, even though this was after I met the man, you know, I didn't really accept Cena as uh, as a kind of wrestler in my kind of smarky teenage years until I saw how resilient he was in the face of a hostile crowd. It was it was really something else. I just love the way he walks to the ring with his belt up in there. He's just like, you know, this is me. Accept it or leave it. And uh, uh, but it was also a great a good match. The result was good. Um, I've always gone back and forth on how I feel about the finish of the match with uh, yeah. Edge helping RVD, but I, I love it. And it's got that iconic sign, if Cena wins, we riot. Uh, I realise I've rambled a lot and you brought this match, this show to the table. What, what do you no, love no. about 2006? Uh, that's one of my favourite matches of all time. But what I love about the 2006 one is that it does still feel like an ECW show with yeah. WWE involvement, right? So like Orton and uh, Edge, but especially Cena. It's almost as if today, um, say Reigns, Roman Reigns makes one appearance in AEW. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it seems yeah, yeah, different yeah. and it's special and it's like, what is happening? Like John Cena and ECW, it was so cool. And I remember loving Cena at the time and when he did the entrance with the title, um, when he, he's, he's got his hat down and he's just walking through and he's just getting punched <laughs> by the fans. <laughs> it's uh, terrible. Like, it's so good. I mean, it's just, he's so cool. And um, the match is great. Cena's a genius in that match. Um, and that, yeah, that, that is, that, to me, that's the only really match on that show that I really love. The other ones I don't really rate, but um, that, that's a one-match show in terms, of, and along with like the crowd and the idea of ECW. But yeah. um, I also loved the Big Show's involvement in that. Remember when Big Show came out? And he started like um, like throwing everybody about the ring, and he like destroyed the FBI and people like that. You know, I thought that was a really cool fit. And people were kind of miffy about Big Show being an ECW, but after this sort of interaction, they were all right with it. So um, yeah, let's move on. Let's um, try and get a couple more in before we run out of time. Uh, you want to bring one to the table, or will I give you a, a couple more? Let's see. Uh, so the ones that I've got left on my list, I've only all I've really got left that we didn't talk. Um, it's mainly just WrestleManias now. Uh, so uh, why don't you bring something to the table and then we can um, then we, okay. can, we can wrap up. 
I'll give you I'll give you one more normal one, then we'll talk about two WrestleManias in particular, right? Okay. So cool. uh, I also have SummerSlam 2005 on my list. Um, okay. Which I used to watch every single holiday I went on. Um, I would take <laughs> a laptop or like a portable DVD player, and for some reason, even up to 2015, I watched this show every single holiday. Um, All right. I don't know why. Orton and Taker and Eddie and Ray and Batista and JBL and I love the Sean and Hogan match and the Cena and Jericho match. Just a great show. Also have, of course, No Mercy 07, Royal Rumble 08. But the one I think will be on your list as well, maybe, I, th- I think so, Money in the Bank 2011. It should be on my list. I, for whatever reason, I've not written it down. I'll tell you why I haven't put it on my list. It's only because I've tried to avoid matches that, for me, are one-match shows. I have shows that right. are one-match shows for me, so that's why I've not put WrestleMania 18 on it, because for me, that's yeah. one-match show. Well, yeah, I, think, I, I, I think... I like I think Randy this, and Christian, but, you know... Yeah. This um, Money in the Bank show, there's something about this show that's just infectious, and I've watched this one a lot, um, because of the buzz in the crowd for the whole show. You yeah. know, um, and, and both Money in the Bank ladder matches are great, especially the SmackDown one with Daniel Bryan winning. No one expected Daniel Bryan to win that. Um, yeah, and yeah, seeing yeah. It, was a, it was a lot of like future stars, you know, like Justin Gabriel and um, and Heath Slater and stuff, people who had a lot of potential and people had a lot of like big plans for. And we all thought they were going to be like big stars and ended up maybe not, you know, fulfilling that. But um, I love the buzz in this show. Even Big Show and Mark Henry have a really fun match. Um, yeah. I like their matches. Really... That I really love that run. They 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 had great matches, Big Show and Henry. Yeah, which is random because they they're both guys that work the same style and and are, are good to work with people who aren't their style. But the fact they can kind of go together is just um is really yeah. impressive. And then the the Raw title match, the Raw Money in the Bank ladder match with uh, Del Rio winning, another kind of like people were kind of expecting that, but it was kind of okay that they won, you know, because um, mm-hmm. we all had big plans for Del Rio. Alton and Christian, I think, is great. It was one of their amazing matches in that sort of five-match feud that was ridiculous. Um, and I love the finish. It was like a, if, if Orton gets DQ'd, he loses the title, and he just low-blows Christian, and the fans know he's won the title, so the fans pop you know, before the bell even rings. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Kelly and Brie Bella have a really fun match. But then the main event, of course, with Punk and Cena is one of the greatest matches ever. It's one of my top three favourite matches of all time. Yep. Not Excellent. because of the match, because of the vibe, the buzz, the um, the atmosphere. I wasn't even there, but I was shaking watching this match in, at home um, at like four in the morning. And, you know, Punk was the man at the time. Punk could do no wrong. Cena wrestles a great match here, regardless of what anyone says. Um, it's just like it's just a great show. And it's um, it's one of my, I'd put it up there as one of my favourite shows of all time. Top five anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. I love the show. And for me, it, you know, I, I know what I said about, you know, one match shows and whatnot, but, you know, it's, it's really historically, it's symbolic of a, a turning tide in the industry at the time, isn't it? Yeah. And you, like, and I've, I've, I've said many times here that I, you know, that summer of punk it can really be credited for bringing me back into wrestling at a time where it kind of drifted. Like I, I would follow like the big shows or I would follow WrestleMania or whatnot, but I would never sit and watch the shows. It was after this that I started watching pay-per-views every month again. And cause, and I started going on WWE, WWE.com every Tuesday morning to find out what happened in raw and to watch the highlights. And I credit that to this angle and to punk and winning and, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember because I, I was 20 years old when this match happened, and I I still don't honestly think in my heart of hearts that I expected Punk to win. 
I just oh, thought right. like they were they were taking advantage of the fact that he was oh, leaving yeah. to put Cena over. Really, they were going to have a great match, and it was going to come close. Maybe I hadn't registered that it was Punk's hometown, but I didn't. I think I thought maybe there would be a screwy finish, or maybe Cena would finally do a full on heel turn or something. But I didn't actually expect the result that we got. And going back and watching, I love the way it plays out. I mean, it does feel really legitimate. Like Laurinaitis comes out, we hadn't seen him before really on screen. Yeah. In, in that role, this was pre kind of people power. This was the catalyst for that. Um, and it's just, uh, it's it's iconic. And even recently when uh, Drake Maverick won, got his contract back at, at NXT, even in a losing effort for the Cruiserweight title, I think prior to that on Twitter, he posted a picture of Punk kissing McMahon away with the title, yeah. but he'd superimposed his own head on it to imply that, you know, if I win the Cruiserweight title, which you didn't, I'm out of here with it. So, um, <laughs> but I thought that was really clever. And what that shows is that, you know, nine years later, we're still talking about it. We still remember that so fondly. And Money in the Bank, you know, it's not like a major pay-per-view, It's but it still stands out. I can't believe that was nine years ago. That seems yeah, like... nine years. That's crazy, man. But yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing show. But yeah, you're right about the one match thing. Like, none of these other matches on the card come close to Punk and Cena. But it's the it's the atmosphere and the buzz of the show, you know, that kind of goes through the whole thing that makes it so special yeah. to me anyway. I also love the 2013 one, but there's nothing really too special about that other than RVD's return, which I thought was great. Um, yeah. And they had the all heels versus all faces Money in the Bank ladder matches, you know, really random, but both amazing ladder matches. The yeah, 2013 absolutely. one. But let's finish off and let's talk about two really, really special WrestleManias. So lead us out to these two last shows. Well, the ones that I think you're referring to are 19 and 20, am I right? Yeah, they are indeed. So it's interesting that we, we coupled these together, but you could not get to WrestleManias, even oh, though they're yeah. one year apart. They, they they feel so different to one another in terms of the, the, the atmosphere of each show. And they're both good WrestleManias, don't get me wrong, but they both feel so separate. Like WrestleMania 19 is huge and I did not appreciate just how stacked this card was at the time. I think when I was 12 years old and WrestleMania 19 happened, I was still thinking of 17 as my reference point and I didn't accept that this was on par. And I still remember being in my first year computing class at my secondary school and getting in trouble for logging on to WWE.com just to read about what was going to happen at WrestleMania, just to read about the matches. Um, and I thought, oh my God, is Austin going to wrestle The Rock? That's amazing. Again, like... Uh, but this match, <laughs> you know, it's true. I got, I got into serious trouble about that for that. Um, but this um, this is definitely a contender for greatest mania of all time. If the, if anything, you could if you could hold it up against if anything can be held up against seventeen, and you could put a compelling argument against seventeen. I think nineteen is probably your, the closest you're going to get. Agreed. Um, I mean. I talked about Lance Storm and Chris Jericho in One Night Stand 2005 giving me an appreciation for great technical wrestling, but Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho, like, they is very much a show stealer. But there's so much to appreciate about this card. You know, the opener is fun with Mysterio and Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy is fully fledged version one, and Mysterio has, you know, he's not even a year into the company at that point, and he's so on fire at that point. Yeah, then, so popular. You know, the, the the taker match is forgettable in terms of how it stands up in terms of the streak, but the what makes that is the entrance, isn't it? That's the entrance, that's absolutely. The, en- 
that's why you watch that that streak match as as, as the entrance. I also just love the the aesthetic. I love the the slightly angled ramp. Yeah, down. first time they've ever done that. Yeah, and it's also now it's kind of funny when they go back to that in the baseball stadiums for the Royal Rumbles the past couple of years. It reminds right. me of WrestleMania 19. Absolutely, uh, and I love the set. Um, I but my I still think my favorite match from WrestleMania 19 is Vince and Hogan for for the story See, and for the storytelling and the atmosphere. I totally get that. Um, but I tell you something: every year when I go back and watch WrestleMania 19 before the you know upcoming WrestleMania or whatever, I never watch it. I don't know why. I never watch it. I never have that urge to watch it. I love Rock and Hogan, um, Rock and Austin from this show. I think that's the match right. of the night, and I think it actually tops Michaels and Jericho. Um, I, do you know what? I'm, I'm with you there because it's so it's a beautiful match. It's uh, it's underrated in their series, I think. Yep, and it's so um, important. It's Austin's last match. Yeah, it's crazy. absolutely. Yeah, um, but sorry, you were, you were saying about Vincent Hogan. I just like I think for me the best single image that represents that match is Vince peering up from the apron with blood all over his face and a metal pipe, like yeah, Freddy Krueger or or uh, him out the Shining, the Here's Johnny moment is like that. Um, and you know, everything about, it, I love the reaction to papers running. Uh, you know, I, I never loved... understood that See, in 2003 when I watched this, I didn't get it. I didn't get why paper got involved, but obviously now, you know, historical context yeah. is a thing. But when I was younger, I didn't get it. I was like, why, what's Hogan done to paper? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, Austin Rock is great. You know, I think it, a Triple H and Booker T is a bit of a shame, really. The way it went down. I don't. I think it's a bit sluggish. I'm right, not. Okay. I'm not even um, complaining I, about the result or the or the the length of time it took him to pin the thing that people point to. I just oh, think yeah. the match itself was a disappointment. Um, love, regardless of the result. I love Gr and King on commentary in that match, though. Uh, King they bicker so much that night. Fighting and then and Flair keeps getting involved and Gr is just screaming like to the ref, get Flair out of here and and King's like, come on Gr, it's WrestleMania, leave him alone. <laughs> and you've told me ten times tonight that it's WrestleMania. It's WrestleMania, and it just goes nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> Flair has no business up there, damn it. Uh, so I mean, they, they, I mean, greatest commentary team of all time, bar none. But some of these matches that they do really show their chemistry, and I think this is one of them. That's why I like that match a lot. But I can get why people are frustrated by it. Absolutely. But yeah, I think, you know, Jericho Michaels, Austin Rock, uh, then the main event, Angle Lesnar. Angle Lesnar, yeah. Yeah, but I think I think kind of Angle Lesnar is kind of defined by the shooting star press now, which is a shame because, mm -hmm. but it's also true that those guys went on to have much better matches than that one. Because that one really was derailed by the fact that both men were in really bad nick at that point. Lesnar from yep. the shooting star press, obviously, and then Angle's neck at the time was just God. Like he was. You watched that many of WrestleMania documentary, and you realize just how how risky that was. That they would never let him wrestle now under those circumstances. Oh, God, I know. Um, it's almost like the whole Daniel Bryan thing, you know? Like, would, would they let Daniel Bryan wrestle? You know, carry on wrestling when he was in such bad nick, you know? Um, mm -hmm. pretty much the same thing just by you mentioning that many of Wrestlemania documentary and just thinking about it, it gives me butterflies that is such a mm. that's such a special documentary because it's it not the catalyst network. I don't know why it's done in network but it's the catalyst to what we know now you know with the last mm -hmm. raid and 24 and 365 and that yeah. sort of thing and Chronicle or whatever um, nothing was you. I mean you'd seen Beyond the Map before but nothing has pulled the curtain back as much as this documentary but not so much about all the inner workings of the business more about what the business means to people and um, yeah. really when you think about it how 
you know, dangerous the show was in terms of Austin being in bad nick, Hogan yeah. being in bad nick, um, uh, Angle being in bad nick, then Lesnar nearly killing himself, you know? Yeah. It's just a surreal WrestleMania. You know, Vince McMahon does a leg drop off a ladder. What? You know? <laughs> it's know. just a surreal it, WrestleMania. It's crazy. And, you know, I, I think uh, it's funny that to this day, if you play a WWE video game, that the shooting star press is still one of Lesnar's signature moves. Like, yeah. <laughs> but um, he hasn't tried to hit one since, and rightfully so. But oh he used God, to do he it all do- the time in OVW. Oh, he should just do it one match and just blow everybody's socks off. <laughs> I'd love him to just hit it on angle one, just one time just to get it right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, see, got it. But I mean, it's a good wrestling match, but I think the SummerSlam match at that, SummerSlam 03, I think that's better. And they have obviously their Iron Man match, which is, I mean, yeah, just yeah. ridiculous. But like, um, that, this isn't their best match, but it is defined by that. But when I watch that match now, I find matches fascinating. A bit like what I talked about with Sami Zayn and John Cena. When you're oh, watching yeah. a match and you see how they work around something, you know, working around yeah, the angle yeah. injury, and you know how bad Angle's neck is, but he's still getting belly to bellied and he's still getting whipped into the turnbuckle. And it's like, oh my yeah. God, you're watching. You're like, how is this happening? Yeah. It's a great WrestleMania, but it's, it's one of those more surreal and special WrestleManias that you can't argue that it's one of the greatest ever. And it has to be in the conversation for greatest ever up there with, with for me, 17, 19, and 20 are the three best WrestleManias of all time. Yeah, and you mentioned 20. It feels like such a, not in terms of quality, but in terms of presentation, it feels like such a contrast. You go from this massive baseball stadium at Safeco Field in Seattle, Washington, uh, and then you go to Madison Square Garden, which is a big venue, but it's not a stadium, it's an arena. And it feels so much more contained, and I think something about that presentation feels special. Uh, And again, for me, like in terms of actual entering quality, like there's a couple of matches that are good and i think a lot of it a lot of the matches are kind of rushed to get lots of guys on the card there's so much fat you could trim out of this wrestlemania but yeah. it's the aesthetic and the crowd that i keep coming back to like everybody i think rightfully condemns goldberg and lesnar but i love watching it for the crowd that's yeah, why i like watching that match and i so i refuse to accept that it's unwatchable because it, it, that's not the case <laughs> um did you watch the the broken skull sessions with goldberg earlier in the year i no, I think I missed the Goldberg one. Basically, they talk about this match, and Austin's the special guest ref, and mm-hmm. uh, so the crowd are just immediately turned on the match, and they're singing na 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 na, hey hey hey, goodbye yeah. and stuff. Yep. But then they start chanting Austin, and both Goldberg and Lesnar look at Austin, and like Austin does this wee sort of smile or whatever, and like that kind of silences the crowd. But Austin yeah. says he's thinking in his head at that time he was about to start running the ropes. <laughs> <laughs> But he thought he better not take away from the match. But I just imagine that happened the place where they went mental if he just started doing that. But um, yeah, I, I, I know, I know what you mean when you watch that match. Now it's like it's not that great of a match, but it's not that bad. You know, it's not the worst no. match ever. You know, um, no, absolutely but, yeah. not. I love. Um, well, obviously the main event is excellent. That's probably the best match of the night. But yeah, I love the opener. I've got so much time for the opener. I've seen a big show. There's such a it does everything a good match opener is supposed to do in terms of getting the crowd exactly yeah on on and get them switched on for a, a great fun night a perfect opener and I think an underrated match and it's not underrated the fact where people don't talk about it they talk about it all the time but they always say it's a letdown and that's Evolution versus the Rock and Sock Connection I love this match I do as well for the same reasons it's the atmosphere of it I think the I think the the the, the people who say it was a letdown I think that was that came from like fully being disappointed in the match yeah and you know 
I don't think he has anything to be embarrassed about because it, even though it was the big draw here was was not really The Rock's return. It was the fact that Mick Foley was coming back to wrestle after four years. Right. But with so many people in the ring, like I wasn't expecting what we would eventually get with Cactus Jack and Randy Orton at Backlash. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mick was in great shape for this match. He has, you know, is is one of his children had just been born again. Born again, they just born at that point. <laughs> <laughs> he found Jesus. One of his, uh, one of his children <laughs> found God. Don't you about to say that? <laughs> uh, I'm born again fully. <laughs> but it's it's fun. It's fast paced, and it's uh, it's fun. There's a moment in that match where The Rock does the Ric Flair strut, yeah, and brilliant. he gets booed. The fans respect Flair too much to accept The Rock making fun of him. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, and that was The Rock's last appearance. Well, not his last appearance, but it was the last match for for you know over a decade, seven well, years, for, yeah. for eight, seven or eight years, yeah, until until uh, Survivor Series eleven. Um, but yeah, it's just I I love that match, and it's it's so important because the only time The Rock and Randy Orton have ever wrestled as well. Yeah, that's mental for me. I love the fact that Orton gets the win because he's the guy we're going with, you know. Um, yeah. and obviously it plants the seeds and the Royal Rumble stuff from you know the back in to, back in uh, January with people saying that Mick's a coward and he ends up being in the Rumble and he attacks Orton and that sort of thing, yeah. leading to that backlash match, which is just incredible. Um, one of the better street fights in WWE history. But then uh, you've got Christian and Chris Jericho having a screamer, total is a screamer. Under, the, under the radar screamer. Thank you for reminding me of that match. I'd forgotten about it. I love it, and I love uh, that was refreshing as well because we hadn't seen Jericho as a babyface for years at this point. Yeah, it was, so it was nice to have Y two J back, uh, and I love that. Like that, you know, we've we've seen a lot of slaps in the history of wrestling, but that slap that Trish gives Jericho, or is it? Did she kick him? And you know, and. No, she slaps him. She, 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 she slaps, slaps him twice, him. and then and then it's Christian so finishes it. Vicious! Doesn't it look so painful the way Trish slaps yeah. him? It's. I remember that. Uh, yeah, love that match. Uh, Eddie and Angle, which I know you don't like, or you, well, no, you don't like it, but you were disappointed in it um, because I, you were wanting like it to it. be a, a more brutal match. You know. Yeah, I like it objectively as a if I cut it away from the the build up, and it's just Kurt Angle and Eddie Girl having a match. I think it's brilliant. And I, I love the finish. I will always love that finish. But I just felt the presentation within the context of the storyline didn't make sense. And so that disappointed me. With uh, Taker and Kane, Taker's return to the Dead Man gimmick. Um, highlight highlight so of the night. I think it's amazing. I um, Obviously, I've, I've said this before, that American Badass Taker is my favourite Taker. Um, so when I got into wrestling in 2001, I only really knew Biker Taker. And yep. uh, I'd seen, obviously, clips and stuff of, of Dead Man Taker. But never really to the extent of what I would go on to. So when this was uh, happening, I remember the storyline so vividly, like the the ring shaking and all the promos and Kane being in the ring and screaming, I buried you alive and all that stuff. Yeah. And I remember, right, I've talked about this before, I think, but I remember the day after WrestleMania 20, I had to go to school, of course, um, but my dad had recorded WrestleMania 20 for me and he had fast-forwarded all the way through it to the Taker match so I could watch the Taker match before I went to school. Um, so I came downstairs and had my breakfast and stuff, and we go to watch the Taker match. And I'm sitting on the floor, right in front of the TV, and Kane comes out and stuff, and then the lights go off, and the Druids come out. And I remember moving further and further away from the TV, because I was scared. Um, and yeah. and I'd never experienced it before. Like, I'd never seen Dead Man Taker in, in my sort of lifetime. And I got further in front of my dad's, like, saying to me, Wait, don't worry, <laughs> It's fine. It's just The Undertaker. And I love this match because of that. There's nothing that really happens in the match, but the return is so yeah. epic. 
and um, that's it. It's, it's such, such a prominent moment in my childhood, you know, in my fandom for the Undertaking. That's a match where it's not actually a great match, but nobody was really looking forward to the match. People were looking forward to the entrance, really, I think. The the presentation of it, then the return. Uh, the match itself is quick, it's to the point, and it just is really a reintroduction of this version of Deadman uh, Taker. Uh, but the whole everything from like the, the 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 druids that you talk about, the Paul Bearer return, which nobody saw coming, yeah, yeah. Um, or maybe they speculated, but it was a surprise, and the fans really popped for it. Uh, to seeing Taker again uh, as the Dead Man, it was so special, and it's a real spine tingling moment. It's yeah. a great WrestleMania, and I love it. Um, you might sense from my tone, though, Chris, that I'm um, I'm I'm speaking in a way as if we're wrapping up quickly, and I'll tell you for why. Um, I have drank so many fluids during this podcast <laughs> that I don't want to call another toilet break uh, because we're just about done. So I wondered if we could just quickly wrap this up unless there's anything else you'd like to, any other points you'd like to make about wrestling. Well, we, we'll wrap up, but we, we didn't mention the main event, the, the Benoit, Triple H and Michaels. Um, Great when, match, goes for 20 minutes, Benoit wins. <laughs> I know you disagree, but I think this is the best triple threat match in WWE history. And I know that you think that probably Vengeance 2 is probably your favourite one. Um, but yeah, I, th- I, think- I guess so. I I actually I think I'm with you. If I look at it objectively, I think that Vengeance 2 is more of a sentimental favorite for me. But I think objectively, that that's an excellent match. Although I do also love uh, John Cena versus HBK versus Triple H. Yeah, that's a good one. And I love the obviously the ending with Ben One and Guerrero was so special and stuff like that. And it still makes me cry to this day. But I will let you go and pee, my friend. If you want to go pee, that's fine. I can wrap up here. <laughs> Yeah, let's just do that because otherwise we'll be coming back just to talk for a couple of minutes. But I want to say a big thank you to anyone who is listening to this, uh, especially if you're not an immediate friend or family member. Um, Though those other people, please still listen. We need you. Um, (laughs) uh, And uh, a big thanks to you, Chris, for your continued brilliance with uh, this podcast. And uh, everyone stay uh... safe. Yeah, thank you for for being able to hold in the pee for so long. And oh, uh, well. yes, <laughs> we're getting dangerously close. Social media, yeah, remember are. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can get us on there. The Wrestling Connection as well on YouTube. Please support and, and subscribe and follow whatever you can. And yeah. uh, please tell some friends about the Wrestling Connection. So thank you very much for listening to another epic episode. We'll be back next week for episode number 10. Can you believe it? Until then. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Take care of yourselves and each other. And remember, this is the Wrestling Connection Podcast. Enjoy yourself.